Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Hi, I'm your unused PTO, just sitting here waiting to be noticed. It's almost the end of the year, and if you don't put me on a timesheet, I will be gone forever. Like that one crush in college you never asked out. I'm talking about missed opportunities, my friend. Use me for a ski trip with your buddies or a cozy mountain getaway. Or go visit your mom and help her with her phone. It's getaway time. If your unused PTO is not motivation enough, then how about the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event? Get our best deals of the season on selected brand new Hyundai vehicles and relax wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. In the end, you only regret the PTO you didn't take. It's your journey. Own every mile at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR, zero payments for 90 days, and 500 bonus cash on select vehicles. Hurry to your local Hyundai dealer. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offer ends 1323. Call 1562-314-4603 for complete offer details. No. Good boy. Keep your hat on, pet. Why? We're playing dinner at the North Pole, remember? So we need to wear our big warm coats inside. When it comes to food or heat, many families will face impossible choices this Christmas. Please support the St. Vincent de Paul Annual Appeal. Donate locally or at svp.ie. Thank you. According to Basil Barutsky, the last 20 years of his life had been filled with people lying about him, tarnishing his good name and dragging his reputation through the mud. The people who caused this pain had never been punished, so Basil decided to get justice for himself. This is Monsters. Basil Barutsky was born on October 17, 1957, to Walter and Beatrice Barutsky. He was the third of eight children and was raised in a religious household. He described himself as a follower of God who never lied and always followed the Ten Commandments. Walter was a second-generation Polish immigrant who worked as a trapper. Beatrice took care of the home and friends said that she didn't treat Basil very well. In his 20s, Basil moved to Round Lake with his girlfriend, Lynn. A friend that knew the couple at the time said that she left after Basil began hitting her. Basil then met Marianne Mask in 1982, and the two married shortly after. They had three daughters together. Basil worked as a millwright for Atomic Energy in Ontario, Canada. It wasn't long before the marriage started to sour, though. Marianne reported him for domestic abuse in 1985, but Basil was acquitted. The same thing happened again in 1994. The couple would regularly find themselves fighting in court, but would eventually make up and the criminal charges would go away. A childhood friend of Basil's, who also knew Marianne, said, quote, 
she kept recanting and kept getting beat up, end quote. In 2008, Basil was again arrested on domestic abuse charges, but they were eventually dropped on a peace bond as the marriage fell apart. This was an agreement that the couple would separate and stay away from each other. During their divorce proceedings in 2011, Marianne told the judge that Basil had, quote, destroyed her spirit by relentless threats and abuse, end quote. One of their daughters testified that the abuse included hair pulling, slapping, and that once Basil attempted to push Marianne out of a moving car. She said that her mother would come back from encounters with Basil all bloodied. The daughter also said that her father repeatedly threatened to burn down the house. Coincidentally, the house would later burn down, but Basil was never connected to the fire. During the divorce, Basil tried to introduce a letter that was signed by Marianne that gave him custody of their children and full control of her finances. It also had alleged quotes by Marianne saying, quote, I have made false statements about him, end quote. She told the judge that she was coerced into signing the paper, and the judge threw it out. According to Basil, he was completely innocent, and this was part of a long-running conspiracy against him. He claimed that everything Marianne said was a lie, and that the police just took her side without investigating. When he is interrogated in 2015, at first, all he will talk about is that he was wrongfully charged 20 years ago. He tells the detective about a police officer named Kathy Sarnowski, who is his ex-wife's niece, who was involved in this plan to ruin his life. My wife was having an affair with her first cousin. She called Kathy. Kathy called another cop named Ian Anderson, who was her boyfriend. He got involved and said that he had knowledge of me insulting my wife, and he caused the police officer investigating to charge me for nothing. The officer never even met me, and he said he had knowledge. He's a liar. And again, I've, I've just met you and I told you I have very limited that knowledge is. of you. Now I'm trying to learn a little bit about it. What's the point? Well, the point is that you're here and I'm here. And Malicious prosecution, that's the point. He believed that because he had been, according to him, wrongfully charged with domestic abuse crimes, it created a snowball effect that caused everyone else to treat him harshly. On December 31st, 2010, according to Basil, he was pulled over, most likely because it was New Year's Eve and police were out trying to stop drunk drivers. I was a designated driver. I drove her home. Two cops pulled me over, asked me if I drank, and I said, no, not tonight. I'm a designated driver. Carry on. They run my plates. See all those stupid, lie, criminal record that I was not supposed to have. They came chased me down because they thought I was a bad guy because I had a criminal record that was not supposed to be there. And I ended up being charged. They did not let me blow on the breath or on the roadside. They said I was over. I never even got to put my lips on it. They were listening to music in the car so loud. They were partying. They were half-bombed New Year's Eve. And then they took me to the station and they left me in a cell for like two and a half hours before they even asked me to blow and then they thought I was going to blow in the tube for them and when I finally did go out and 
to look at the machine, I can see droplets in the tube. I thought, oh God, they're just setting me up. They just put some alcohol right in the tube and they think they're going to blow it in there. So no, I'm not going to blow a user drunk. So the police arrested him and then tried to frame him by putting alcohol in the breathalyzer. It doesn't stop there. This is what happened when he got into a car accident around that time. I had a car accident and uh, I broke all this or whatever in my back and I got a concussion and I busted up my hand. I can't even remember what all. And the guy that hit me was telling the police officer, take this guy to the hospital, he's hurt bad. And uh, he told a cop that about 10 times. He was sitting in the back seat of the cruiser. I was sitting in the front seat of the cruiser. When the guy got out of the cruiser, the cop looked at me and he said, you can fucking drive yourself to the hospital. And he turned and showed me a fucking criminal record that wasn't even supposed to exist. It was supposed to be wiped clean because I was found not guilty. So he fucking left me there on the side of the fucking road. And how I got to the hospital is beyond me. And I got no treatment because I went to a little hospital. I didn't know what else to do. Okay. So now I'm... How many years back are we talking here, Basil? I don't know. It happened when I was going to work. Atomic energy. Pedal all off flats. That cop should be shot and pissed on for what he'd done to me. Basil is what I refer to as an eternal victim. I know that people get wrongfully charged and wrongfully convicted. I know people lie about domestic abuse and that cops will judge people based on their criminal record. But sometimes when bad things continually happen to a person, you have to start looking at the only common denominator, which is that person. He talks like he's an angel who never even lies, but he drops little details like this. I was not a witch they were taking me to Killaloo and the paddy wagon. I told them that I need to go to the bathroom. And the paddy wagon stopped in Renfrew from Ottawa to Renfrew. I kept telling them, I need to go to the bathroom. I'm going to piss in my pants. And I probably got hernia. I cannot hold. Mm-hmm. Then when we got, we went to Pembroke. I thought, I didn't even know. I thought I was hanging on there so when we get to Pembroke, I'll be able to have a leak. In Pembroke, they leave me in a paddy wagon and they take somebody else in and they leave me up there and I said, I need a piss. They ignored me. And then we go from Pembroke to Run Lake all the way to Killaloo, another hour. And at Killaloo, I'm going on the paddy wagon and I'm telling the guard or whatever, copper, soul PP, piss. I'm going to piss my pants. I said, you want me to piss on the floor in the paddy wagon? He said, if you do, you're going to clean it up. And he just ignored me. We're at the paddy wagon. I even told him, I said, just let me out so I can piss in the bush over there. Anything. And then when they took me in, they took me into a room. And again, I'm telling the guy behind the desk, I need to piss. And everybody just ignored me. So I finally, they put me in the room, and I am yelling, if you don't let me go to the bathroom, I'm going to. Like, man, I asked 30 times. Then they charged me with mischief. Mischief. I begged them. I had no choice. I begged. 
And then when I had no choice, they charged me. And then they told me, and I spit in the guy's face then, because of course, I, look what you've done to me. Like you, what am I supposed to do? He has a point about the police being assholes for not letting him go to the bathroom, if that's the way it happened. But then he says they charged him for pissing on the floor and he spit in their face. So I feel like Basil's version of events tend to be exaggerated in his favor. I feel like it hadn't really been that long and he pissed on the floor out of anger, so they justifiably charged him for it and he spit in the officer's face. Basil seems, and there will be more details to back this up in the story, but he seems to be a guy who can't control his temper. Then, when everything cools down, his memory of the incident is twisted, so he forgets what he did to instigate the incident. Did this man who had a long-time hatred of the cops really get pulled over and calmly explain that he was the designated driver? Or did he give the officers attitude which led them to pull his record and the situation escalated from there? Later in the interrogation, he says he was pretending to drink at the party because the girl he was with was pressuring him to drink. So he had a drink in his hand to make it look like he was drinking. Or was he actually just drinking? Did he simply ask to use the bathroom, or did he demand to use the bathroom and insult the cops which led them to ignore him? Basil's stories don't seem to have all the details. In 2011, Basil's father's health was failing and he started receiving hospice care. During that time, Basil met a woman named Natalie Warmerdam, who was his father's hospice nurse. I met Natalie at the hospice. She was a nurse there approximately five years ago. She put the make on me. I didn't even know what was going on. I was trying to take care of my father. She told me later that she was trying to pick me up because she thought my family had money and she was getting divorced and she got what she wanted. And then she ditched me when it was over. According to Basil, Natalie only pursued him because she thought he had money. This is Basil's eternal victim mentality at play. Even though Natalie had no connection to the police and didn't know his criminal record, she was still involved in a grand scheme to hurt him. People that knew him said that he was the one that pursued Natalie. She was just doing her job and he charmed her and convinced her that his ex-wife was out to get him. Basil moved into her farmhouse with her and her two kids. During this time, even though Natalie advocated for Basil during his divorce from Marianne, when the divorce was final, the judge ordered him to pay his ex-wife $92,000. According to Basil, this is why his relationship with Natalie ended, because she was only with him to get his money. Natalie, I spent $200,000 there minimum. She wouldn't even work. She lived off of me. I worked my farm three years and brought it back and turned it into a farm. She told me everything I was doing was what she wanted. Then when the court system told her she fought because she thought she was we were gonna get all the money, she was actually practically my lawyer. When she found out that I was going to get nothing, because as the judge said, he didn't believe a word I was saying. And I was, every word I was saying was gospel truth. He chose to not believe it, not see it, not want to know the truth. 
And he told, I didn't even know it was possible, he gave everything to my wife and he made me buy my own hunt camp back. So I got nothing. That was the turning point. That is, was exactly when Natalie, no longer, she no more money coming in. She started hunting for somebody else. And that's when the false accusations came. She knew it was so easy because she had just gone through the system. She simply said I was going to hide her son, threatened. I did no such thing. I said, he walked across the kitchen floor that I was washing. He walked into an office, looked back, went like that, walked back across the floor. I mopped up. He turns around, back. He got it over five or six times. I wanted to hit him with a wet mop right in his face. And I told Natalie when she got home, what are you doing? She would come back and says, yeah, he admits it. Sorry, yeah, he went? Yeah, he admits it. That was it. No record, nothing. They didn't make him come and apologize. They didn't make him. I actually, after started believing that she put him up to doing that because it wasn't much longer after. Then when I told her I want my money back, that was it. She went off the handle flew. We'll be right back. Natalie's daughter, Valerie, said that Basil seemed normal at first and then became manipulative and controlling. Like most abusers do, he started isolating Natalie from her friends and family. She said that Basil drank heavily and berated Valerie and her brother Adrian. Valerie also reported that Basil had said, quote, If Marianne ever puts me in jail, don't wait for me because if I get out, I'm going to kill her, end quote. One day, Adrian was acting up, walking across the floor that Basil had just mopped, which is rude, but when he told Natalie about it, she didn't punish him. Basil seems to have a real problem with people not being punished for actions that he perceives has wronged him. He believed that if Mary Ann put him in jail, she would deserve to be killed since she had wronged him. During the mopping incident, according to Basil, he said to Adrian, quote, If you don't smarten up, I'll string you up, end quote. Now, that's most likely not exactly what he said, and when Natalie took offense to him threatening her son, he claims she was overreacting. Another case of Basil losing his temper and then twisting the story to look like he did nothing wrong when someone took action over it. On July 27, 2012, Basil was charged with threatening to hang Adrian, threatening to kill a family pet, and mischief to property. Natalie had reported that Basil had threatened Adrian, threatened to kill their dog, and destroyed some property on her farm. Basil claims throughout his interrogation that he had no legitimate criminal record. I never got time, but just think about all those times I was charged by my wife. I was in jail, out of jail, in jail, out of jail. My reputation, even though I was found not guilty, I had a criminal record for 20 years or something. That wasn't supposed to be there. Did you try and get it? Is that fair? Did you? I ended up getting it removed after I realized 20 years later. Mm-hmm. You know what it's like to live with a criminal record? When you're not a criminal, when you're not supposed to have one, and then you find out, oh, all those years, that's why when the cops stopped me, that's why he was such an asshole to me, because I had a criminal record that I'm not supposed to have. I was found not guilty. Yep. Don't yap me, because even when I told the judge, he said, so what? 
he didn't understand. No, all I'm saying is I can see why that would be frustrating and make you angry, especially. Frustrating. It's so unfair. It's, it's so wrong. It's going against your the belief of the way you should be. When it's going who you really are, your good character, and then you're being judged by something that's not true, not right, even though you were found not guilty, you're still seen as guilty because the record was not removed. Should never have been there in the first place. He was actually convicted of the crimes he was charged with in 2012. He was sentenced to 150 days and got credit for the... He was sentenced He was sentenced to 150 days in jail and got credit for the 117 days he had already served. 30 days later, he was released with two years of probation and a 10-year ban on owning weapons. He was also ordered to attend a domestic abuse program which just happened to be in the building across the street from Natalie's employer. Basil never attended a single class and nothing was ever done to punish him for it. For someone who thinks everyone around him should be punished for their wrongdoings, he sure has no problem skirting the rules himself. Natalie was so afraid of running into Basil that she got a panic button that she clipped to her belt every morning. If she ran into him, she could press the button and alert police that she was in danger. Not only that, but she purchased a shotgun and kept it under her bed, just in case. These are not the actions of someone who has lied about someone being abusive. Natalie was legitimately scared of Basil. By 2013, Basil had started doing work for a woman named Carol Cullenton. Carol lived about two hours away in North Gower, but she had a small cottage near Wilno. She was planning to sell the cottage, and Basil offered to help fix it up for her. Basil claimed that they had been in a relationship together, but people close to Carol said that she wasn't interested in him, and she was continually turning down his advances. Once at a party, Carol sat on another man's knee, and Basil got angry because she refused to date him. With Carol, I tried to tell her that money means nothing to me. She, at one point, said to me, this is my cottage. She kind of took offense that I had done so much work there, because I had built a deck without asking her. I surprised her. I thought it was like a gift. and I connected two decks, stuff like that. So we had a little, she thought that I was taking over and we got over and I told her, I said, okay, I want to start on no projects. I'm sorry, it was a gift. Whatever. Basil tells this story as if he had done something really nice for Carol, but she didn't appreciate it. In reality, Carol's neighbor said that she often complained about his poor work quality. Carol thought that Basil might be trying to sabotage the sale of her cottage to keep her around. She never asked him to build a deck, and for him to just show up and do unwanted construction on her property was not a gift. At this time, Basil was living in a farmhouse next to a scrapyard. Nobody had ever taken away his permit to purchase a weapon, so if he wanted to, he could have easily purchased a gun, but he didn't have to. I had the gun two years ago when Carl Cullen and I first got together, and I was living on a farm. I found a gun in the scrapyard in an old motorhome that was hidden under the floorboards. And I was pulling, I forget how I found it, I was pulling, looking for something, and I, I found the shotgun. And then I collected shells out of every car that's gone out of every car. I get two of this car, three of them, it's a country atmosphere, and I was living near a scrapyard next door. 
he put the gun and the shells in a garbage bag and hid it under a bush by his house. Basil frequented the Wilno Tavern, where he befriended a server there named Anastasia Kuzik. He was able to gain her sympathy with his stories about how the women in his past and the police had done so much wrong to him. People at the bar warned Anastasia about the man. Most of the patrons wouldn't go near him, especially after he posted a list of enemies on a sign at the end of his driveway. Another server at the tavern who had dated Basil in 2010 had to contact police after their breakup because he wouldn't stop calling and showing up at her house. Anastasia was also a part-time real estate agent, and according to Basil, she helped him sell some land, and he helped her with her house. Anastasia, I was dating Carl Culleton. Anastasia came along. Well, I knew Anastasia way longer than Carl, but I treated Anastasia like a daughter. She was a friend. She lived in my house with her boyfriend. She tried to sell my land for me as a real estate. All friends, she used to come to the farm, Natalie's farm, my farm, and use the hot tub with us, her and Eric. They were like friends. So I went to help her because her and Eric were splitting up. She said she needed help to fix the house up. I agreed to help her as much as I could. I ended up kind of half moving in. I still maintained my place. But in the winter when it got cold, I ended up staying more and more at her place than at my place. People may have assumed that there was a relationship going on, but they would have to be cuckoo because there was a 20-some year age difference. Except that one of Anastasia's friends said that Basil would show up at her house drunk and demand sex. He wouldn't take no for an answer. When she wouldn't comply, Basil would become violent. On December 30th, 2013, Basil was arrested for beating and choking Anastasia and setting some of her belongings on fire. In her statement to police, Anastasia said, quote, I honestly thought he was going to kill me. I could see the switch go off in his eyes. End quote. She said that she was in so much pain from the beating that she eventually begged him to just kill her. Basil was convicted of the assault and for mischief under $5,000 for burning Anastasia's belongings. He served 575 days in jail and was released with another two years of probation, and his 10-year weapons ban was extended to a lifetime ban. Remember, in Basil's interrogation, he claimed that he had been to jail but never actually convicted. He claimed that all of his time in jail was for things he was found not guilty of, which is absolutely not true. He was convicted twice. For someone who claims to never lie, he sure lies a lot. He's also ordered to attend the exact same domestic violence program he refused to attend after his last conviction, and you probably won't be surprised to hear this, but he didn't go this time either. They also asked him to sign a court order barring him from contacting Anastasia, and he refused. Something that should have been a condition of his release was apparently an option which he refused and was released anyway. With no money, Basil moved into a social housing complex in the town of Palmer Rapids. 
He began texting Carol constantly and once borrowed a car and showed up at her home in North Gower, even though she had never given him her address. He said in his interrogation that she had sent him a Christmas card one year, and she put it as the return address. On September 8, 2015, Carol called Basil and told him once and for all that she didn't want him to contact her anymore. She told him that she had retired, she was about to sell the cottage, and she had a boyfriend. Basil spent the next few hours texting Carol that she was cruel, self-centered, and that karma would take over. At some point, Basil went to Carol's cottage and posted about 20 signs with messages for a happy retirement. One read, quote, Thanks for leaving, Carol. I was wondering how I was going to get rid of you so I could do this. Happy positive retirement. Sorry I'm such an asshole. End quote. After going home and drinking, Basil said he talked to his neighbor about the Bible. He believed that God was telling him that he needed to kill the people who had ruined his life. He retrieved the shotgun and the shells from the bushes and borrowed his neighbor's car. He drove to then 66-year-old Carol's house. And I just drove in, and I remember thinking that God is really helping me, because when I went to Carl's, Carl walked right outside. Mm -hmm. What did she do? And then I asked her, I said, why do you hate me? Or why are you doing this to me? She closed the door. I was right there. And then I broke the window with my elbow. And I reached in and I unlocked the door. And she said, This is not you, Basil. This is not you. You know what happened? Then she told me that uh, Dave was coming over because the hydro was out. And I said, you're lying to me again. And there was a... a cable TV coil. I picked it up and I hit her with and I wrapped it around her head. And she just kept saying, this is not you, Basil, this is not you. I feel he added the part where she said, this isn't you, Basil. I feel like he's convinced himself that he's a better person than he is. After he saw her sitting on another man's knee at a party, Basil went to the cottage while Carol was away and tore up all the flowers he had planted. It seemed like she would have known exactly who Basil really was. And that was an abusive person. Basil wants the world to believe that this is one giant conspiracy to make him look bad. Four different women, five if you count the tavern employee who had called police on him, plus children, friends, neighbors, the police, and judges are all involved in some grand plan to ruin Basil Barutsky's life. All because they just don't like him, apparently? We'll be right back. After he strangled Carol to death, he flipped her dining room table and dumped out her purse. 
He grabbed her car keys and cell phone, smoked a cigarette, he left the butt in the sink, and left the cottage. He left $100 in his neighbor's car, he said it was for gas, and left in Carol's Mazda 3. I remember thinking that God's making this easy because Carl came out the door because when I got to Anastasia, she walked out the door. As soon as I walked out, I didn't even wasn't in that door, she just walked out. And I asked Anastasia, I just said, why did you lie in court? And she said, I didn't. And the gun went off. Because it just lies. He just walked up to 36-year-old Anastasia, and when she denied lying in court, the gun just went off. He completely detaches himself from committing the murder. Basil's story is a little off, though. Anastasia's sister, Eva, was also at the house at the time, and she told investigators that she ran downstairs when she heard her sister screaming. Anastasia had whispered to Eva, quote, it's Basil, end quote. Basil had gone back outside, and Eva yelled out the door, quote, stay away from my sister, end quote, before she went back inside. As she looked out the window, she saw Basil walking back to the house with a shotgun and then heard a shot. She ran out of the house and down the street. When she saw a road maintenance crew working, she used their phone to call 911. Basil left and drove to 48-year-old Natalie's farm. I just drove in, walked in the door. She was sitting there. She went in the corner. I followed her. Boom. Walked out. That's it. It only goes. And it was funny. It was like I wasn't even pulling the trigger on the gun. The gun was just going off. It was just like, boop. Damn it. And it's like, I don't know how that was really all scared. I don't think so. I didn't see anybody. He tells the story like he's talking about his day at work. And again, he says, it's like I wasn't even pulling the trigger. He wants to believe that God killed these women as some sort of punishment for ruining his life. This murder was also witnessed, this time by Natalie's son, Adrian. He managed to hop over a couch and get outside where he hid in the bushes as he called 911. Basil eventually ditched Carol's car and sat down at a picnic table with a bottle of Forty Creek Rye and a bottle of wine. He wrote in a notebook how he hated money. He texted his neighbor that her car was at Carol's cottage with $100 in the console. He texted one of his daughters to say goodbye. He said he planned to get drunk and shoot himself in the head, but he couldn't kill himself because he was innocent and that would be murder. He didn't murder Carol, Anastasia, or Natalie because they weren't innocent. He only killed them. This is his big distinction when he finally gets brought in and interrogated. What's the difference between killing and murder? That was shall not murder. Commandments. Mm-hmm. So it's killing justified. Is that what you're getting at? I'm saying that. I believe it's actually thou shalt not kill. You're wrong. You better start reading the Bible. Yeah? Yeah. 
find an old version before they changed it. He's wrong that the Bible says it's okay to kill, but not to murder. But it's just because he misunderstands why the Bible says one word or the other. In Hebrew, the word retzak gets translated to the word murder, but it has a wider range of meanings, generally describing destructive activity, including meaning to break or to dash to pieces, as well as to slay, kill, or murder. So it wasn't changed so much as it's just been translated differently in different versions of the Bible at different times. Also, it's not a single word that translates to another single word. It's been translated to either murder or kill to simplify, but the proper meaning is more of an idea to destroy something or kill someone. But again, Basil does a very good job of convincing himself that one, he's always right, and two, he's some sort of biblical scholar. Why would, why would God have you kill those women, Basil? That seems kind of counterintuitive. Uh, no. What reason could there be for that? No, to me it seemed like it seemed like God was trying to show me that the commandment isn't thou shalt not kill, it is thou shalt not murder, and that when somebody it's murder to kill somebody that's innocent, that's why I couldn't kill myself, because I thought about shooting myself, can't do that because I am innocent. Didn't do it wrong. Because that would be me murdering myself. Helen, does that make any sense? It does. And uh, so, Carol. And so, no, the way you're saying it would be counter and intuitive, no. It seemed that I understand it, that that's what God was saying was the right thing to do. So in terms of Carol and Anastasia and Natalie, would you say you killed them or murdered them? I killed them because they were not innocent. They were guilty. I was innocent. I done nothing. Basil killed three women because they were guilty of telling lies about him. Basil doesn't follow the Bible. He just wants a bullshit reason to get revenge on the women who got him punished for being an abuser. When his interrogation begins, all Basil will talk about is how he didn't murder, he killed, and that the only thing the detective needed to do was to look into his original charges from 20 years ago. I want you to look into the uh, past charges against me by those women. And I want you to do that proper investigation mm -hmm. from the point of view of what really happened. And then uh, have a retrial, a fair trial. And uh, then we'll talk about uh, reality. So any information you want from me, you can get by simply doing the proper investigation for the past. Mm -hmm. I was put in jail twice wrongfully. Now go out there and find. You're a good cop. You go out and find out why that's wrong. Well, it's not hard. It's what were they for? What were you in jail for? You don't have to look very hard to figure out that no, it's right. Basil should not have been in jail. 
After you do that, first step of the investigation is telling me what, what I'm investigating. What were you charged with? Don't pay me for stupid. You know exactly. I don't know, Basil. I don't have to play you for stupid. I don't have to pretend when I don't know what you were charged with. I understand you have a criminal record. I think you're stupid right now to talk to me as if I'm stupid. Just go out here and punch the computer. Don't, don't, talk, don't act like I'm an idiot. Well, here's the other thing, Basil. The reason why I'm asking is whatever common criminal offense you were charged with, I don't investigate. I only do homicides. I guess that's why you're not going to figure it out because you're not smart enough to go back and find out. Maybe you could find out that, geez, Basil was innocent. Maybe you could find out that some of these cops done some pretty bad things and they framed Basil. Maybe you could find out some of the reality and, and all the pieces might fall into place. He has this whole story about how he was framed. The police were in on it, and his life has been ruined based on lies. He never laid a finger on anybody and has lived like a perfect angel his entire life. Somehow, that has created a justification for him murdering, not killing, but murdering three women. Because there is a difference between killing and murdering, but the Bible is not the book you need to look in to find the answer. All you need is a copy of the dictionary. According to the Merriam-Webster Dictionary, murder is the crime of unlawfully killing a person, especially with malice aforethought. To kill is to deprive someone of life, cause the death of. They even use the word kill in the definition of murder. Kill is to cause a death. It could be an accident. It could be in self-defense. It could be by an animal. A grizzly bear will kill a person. It never murders a person. Murder is when the act of killing is done intentionally to end a life with malice. Basil Barutsky did not kill three women. He murdered three women. Even if he was framed and this big conspiracy against him was true, all three women lied about him and ruined his life, he still murdered them. But the conspiracy's not true. He had a long history of abusing women. Women who had never met each other claimed to have been abused by Basil. Friends and family members of all the women heard about the abuse. Natalie's children and even his own children witnessed the abuse. The police recorded the abuse. Basil also had a long history of aggression outside of that. Spitting on a cop, lighting Anastasia's belongings on fire, tearing out the flowers at Carol's cottage, threatening to string up Natalie's son. Basil was not the innocent angel he wanted people to believe he was. When he was interviewed by the Fifth Estate after his arrest, he wouldn't answer any questions. He insisted that his first arrest needed to be investigated, blah, blah, blah. When the interviewer would ask him a question, he would say, You're not listening. You need to investigate the first charges against me. Unless you do that, you can't ask any other questions. He eventually accused the interview of judging him and hung up on her. Basil was supposed to be assessed by a psychiatrist, but he refused to speak to one, so the doctor had to report that an assessment wasn't possible. He also refused to hire a lawyer or enter a plea. This basically meant he was representing himself, but unlike a more vocal defendant that's recently appeared on this channel, Basil refused to speak at the trial. A counselor was appointed to ensure that he was getting a fair trial, so Basil wouldn't be able to claim otherwise in an appeal. Basil remained silent through the entire trial, but when the judge began giving jury instructions, he spoke up and asked if he missed the part where it was his time to call evidence and make a statement. The judge responded, quote, At every instance, I asked you if you had any questions of the witness in front of the jury. In front of the jury, I asked you if you were going to call any evidence. You didn't. 
I asked you in front of the jury if you wanted to make closing arguments. So yes, I did do that. I said I was going to do that, and I did it. I did it with exact precision, Mr. Barutsky, end quote. Even though it was recorded by the court, Basil claimed he was lying. The jury had no problem convicting Basil of two counts of first-degree murder and one count of second-degree murder. He was sentenced to three consecutive life sentences with the possibility of parole after 70 years. He'd be 128 years old by then, so I think it's safe to say we won't be seeing Basil anytime soon. If you're the victim of domestic abuse, please reach out to someone for help. Please talk to your local battered women's shelter or call the National Domestic Abuse Hotline at 1-800-799-SAFE. That's 1-800-799-7233. Or you can go to thehotline.org to chat with someone online. The great thing about this website is that, at any time, hitting the escape key twice will take you to a Google search page. That way, if your abuser is nearby, you won't get caught looking for help. If you're having feelings of harming yourself or someone else, or even just need someone to talk to, please contact your local mental health facility, call 911, or call Mental Health America, who operate the National Suicide Prevention Hotline at 1-800-273-TALK. That's 1-800-273-8255. They're available 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, and will talk to you about any mental health issue you might be facing. Thanks so much for listening to this podcast. You can subscribe or follow the show to ensure you don't miss an episode, and you can leave us a rating on whatever podcast app you use. If you'd like to support the show, you can do that by checking out our merchandise at Teespring. You can also discuss the channel and the episodes on our subreddit, r forward slash thisismonsters. You can find more ways to support our show and how to find us on social media by visiting thisismonsters.com. Thanks again, and be safe. Everything's getting more expensive these days. Gas, rent, and even your music. While other music services keep jacking up their prices, Live One is letting you lock in the best music membership at the best price. Live One Plus is just $3.99 per month. Get all your favorite music ad-free, along with unlimited skips and maximum audio quality. Beat inflation with the best deal in music at just $3.99 per month. Visit liveone.com slash bestmusic to get Live One Plus now. Life's full of things we can't depend on, like the Irish weather, predictably unpredictable. When you're cutting it fine, but the tractor in front is out for the day. No winner of this week's you-know-what. So much for Lucky 7. But some things you can depend on. Like in home heating. Emo, Jones Oil and Campus Oil are now Serta, Delivering the same warmth to your home now and into the future. For home heating you can depend on, see CertaIreland.ie. Shrink your Christmas bill at Dunn Stores. Delicious free-range 4-kilo Irish turkeys are just $39.99. And incredible unsmoked centre-cut Irish ham is now just $13.59 for 2.75 kilos. That's 20% off. King prawn cocktail and oak and peat cold smoked salmon are just €6. Plus, with our 10 or 50 grocery voucher, you save even more. Dunn Stores. Make Christmas for everyone. Terms and conditions apply. Vouching abuse to next grocery shop of €50 or more. No. Good boy. Keep your hat on, pet. Why? We're playing dinner at the North Pole, remember? So we need to wear our big warm coats inside. When it comes to food or heat, many families will face impossible choices this Christmas. Please support the St. Vincent de Paul Annual Appeal. Donate locally or at svp.ie. Thank you. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.